0: Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the restoration. Um, I'm very excited about this guest because this is an individual who most of you have never heard of. This is actually the first time he'll be, uh, he's actually taped uh, segments on Gospel Tangents. They'll be coming out later this year, but this will actually be the first time to an American audience that, uh, that uh, we'll be introducing a gentleman named Matthew Gill. Welcome to the program.
1: Thank you for having me. Good to be here.
0: And uh, I just want to read a little bit of his biography. Um, he's, Matthew is 43 years old and has been happily married to Vicky for 21 years. Uh, he has three uh, boys, na- ages 18, 11, and 7. Oh, boy, I don't know how you do it. I was, and he was raised, born and raised in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, but he has, a rest- uh, he has begun a church uh, called the Restored Branch of Jesus Christ. It was established in October of 2006. Um, he says it's been a roller coaster ride. Uh, and he's walking a new path, uh, trying to figure things out and do his best, and, uh, and I think we're all trying to do that, Matthew, and I just want to welcome you to the program, and t- uh, folks, uh, you know, this is interesting to me, because we're talking to, like I said, I'm talking to the full spectrum of the Restoration, and Matthew is a person who about 10, 12 years ago, I discovered on YouTube that who is this guy, and he's a prophet, and he has found a lost records that, of a lost civilization, in in the British Isles. And uh, it sounds like a very familiar story. Um, But before we get there, Matthew, I think it's important that we talk about your background. Tell me about where you were born um, and your your religious faith journey leading up to the restoration of your church.
1: Sure. Um, I was born in Birmingham, in in England, in the United Kingdom, um, which is like in the Midlands of the country. I was born into the LDS faith, blessed, baptized, grew up LDS, went to primary, nursery, uh, the youth program, served the mission. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I did my, my background up until my uh, early 20s was totally LDS, right from the cradle. So... Um, um, I I I was happy with that. Um, I never wanted to I never wanted to leave. I never wanted to do anything that would upset um, the profits of their church or uh, you know bring discord to what was going on. I was fully I, I was fully on board with everything. And um, um but certain things happened to me when I was younger that um, set in motion the events that happened later. So when I was 12, I read the Book of Mormon for the very first time. I I'd just moved up into the youth program from primary and I was very aware that I didn't know what the Book of Mormon was really about. Um, and so I went home I think it was after church one of the days and I said to my dad, you know, I, I want to read the book of Mormon and uh, I want to read it all. I don't, I don't want to wait. I, I just want to read it and see where it leads. And um, my dad was fully on board with that. And my mom. And, uh, and so one, one uh, night uh, I have the date here actually to my left. It was on the 12th of October in 1990. Uh I took a Book of Mormon, one of those old blue Book of Mormons, the really thick ones, not the thin ones, a really thick ones with all the old pictures in. And I, I said to my dad, I'm going to go upstairs. I'm going to read this. Uh, and it was during the day. And um, my dad said, you know, I'll leave you to it and I'll check in on you later. And so I just went to my room and just, you know, got stuff, you know, snacks and drink. And so I wouldn't have to go anywhere apart from the bathroom. And uh, just read. I just started to read and um I, you know I fell into this rhythm of reading the Book of Mormon for the very first time, and uh, it was um it was it was um, an eye-opening experience. I was learning about things that um, I'd never really given much thought to before. Um, and it got me thinking about Joseph Smith and the implications of all of that. And and this went on throughout the night, throughout throughout the afternoon and night. And it got to the point where I think I was, uh, I don't know, maybe third Nephi, maybe. And um, I was beat. I was just, you know, well, that's it. I tried my best. I couldn't read the whole thing in one sitting. So I, I was going to go, go to bed. And I tried to I tried to get out of my bed, to turn all the lights off, and I found that, uh, whatever it was, there was a power holding me down, and I couldn't breathe, and I, I felt I felt as if it was really heavy, and uh, I can still feel it now. It, it was like a heavy weight, and I was struggling against this weight, and um, I just said, help help me help me please help me i wasn't saying it to anybody in particular i don't think just help me and uh i was lifted this weight just lifted and i I sprang out of bed you know and i was like what what was that What, what just happened and uh it just struck my mind i i need to start i need to continue reading the book even if it takes me all night, I'm I'm deadbeat, but I've got, you know, I'm going to do it. My dad came in and said, you're okay. I said, yeah, but I've had this experience. I want to just continue reading. He said, well, we're going to bed, you know, take care of yourself type thing. And um, I just continued reading red, 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 obviously slowly. I was only 12, but um, I got to the end of the book and uh, it got to the um, the Moroni uh, promise at the end where it asks you to read these things and pray about them to ask if they're not true and so uh i did i i decided i was going to do that and i remember it very well they put the book the book of moment on the 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 bedside cabinet and got out of bed and knelt down the side of my bed on the left hand side of my bed and i was in a pretty big room anyway and um I just started to pray. I just I, I wanted to know what was is this true? Because I've spent a lot of time resting this. This thing happened to me. I couldn't breathe. What's going on? And as I was praying in that moment. I became conscious of a light to the left of me as I was kneeling against my bed. And at first I didn't think much of it, but it got brighter until it was com- coming through my eyelids. My eyes were shut because I was praying. And, uh, excuse me, and um, I dove in my eyes and turned to my left and I saw descending out of what I can only describe to people who've never seen it before as a brilliant white light. That's the best way I can describe it. And he, he descended out of this brilliant white light until he came and rested just off the bedroom floor, didn't touch the floor at the bottom, just rested off of it, as if he was floating in the air. And uh, he, he, this person had a, a, a loose white gown on with a like a, a sash or a belt round the middle, and uh, he was holding in his hands what I assumed at the time were the plates, the, the golden plates, okay? and. Um, He spoke to me and uh, to cut a very, very long story short, right? uh, he basically invited me to come and turn the plates. Hmm. And uh, I was very hesitant to do that. And he said, basically, don't worry, nothing will happen. Come and turn the plate. So I, I got up from my kneeling position and went over to him and uh very gingerly <laughs> uh pulled the leaf back on one of the plates. And it was very uh very pliable, very thin. Uh not 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 like you see in the artist depictions. They weren't all uniform the in uh cut either, which is an interesting thing. But anyway, I pulled one back, it made a noise as I pulled it back, put it over. And um as soon as I knew, as soon as I, I did that, I knew that this was, this was um, true, that the, that these plates were real. And I knew who the personage was. And um, he basically said to me, uh, to cut a very, very long story short again, um, uh, you've been very privileged to see this. Um, uh, the Book of Mormon is true. However, um something stay stay faithful to the message because later in life something important will happen to you like what happened to joseph and as a 12 year old you, you tend to just you know you take that in and you okay uh, or, or the message i got was stay faithful to the book of Mormon, really and then <clears throat> once that conversation had taken place he folded them back over so they were in the place where he had originally held them, and uh, basically wished me goodbye and ascended back the way that he had uh, descended, and left the room in complete darkness. And I was left standing in in in, a, in the in a very dark bedroom, uh, and I, I fell to the floor. And I don't know how long I was. Um, like that but then I, I, I when i gathered my strength i put the switched the light on rammed open the door went up to the 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 the, the landing of the house knocking on my, on my dad's door dad dad you've got to come you've got to... and then i got my dad off at some really really early hour and uh, we had a chat and i told him everything that happened and uh, his first reaction to me was well i'll take your word for it um you know you're not given to telling me a lie <laughs> so um and we'll, we'll go and see the bishop as soon as we can and that well, before, was that...
0: okay so this is really interesting and i'm hearing this story for the first time and so i, ha- yeah. I want to have a, ask you a few questions uh, first of all was this the edition of the book of mormon similar to the one that you read
1: that's exactly the one yeah, yeah. okay
0: and this is the very first book of my collection um I stole from a Marriott hotel in high school. (laughs) Um, So you said you, first of all, was this the angel Moroni that appeared to you? Yes. Yes,
1: it was.
0: And you said that you actually handled and uh, turned the plates. Uh, I turned one leaf of one plate. Okay. So tell me the characters Mm
2: -hmm.
0: on the plates. How accurate Mm -hmm. is is the character's document as a representation?
1: Uh I've been asked that many times. Bear in mind, I was 12. Um, And I wasn't really looking at the characters that closely. Um, I mean, I would probably say from my memory and and looking at that character's document, I I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't want to say they were really, really close, but I wouldn't want to say they were a mile off either. Um, uh, I have have some doubts about that character sheet anyway now, but... um, there certainly were characters on the page i remember that whether they they weren't ex- all i would say is they weren't exactly the same as what's on the character sheet right right and as and and, and, and and many people pick holes at that and go you should have remembered i was 12 years old I was 12 right. years of age i mean this is a big thing that's happening to a 12 year old yeah uh, but... i mean i've, I've raised a 12 year old just believe me i know their attention span is it great uh, well just real quick
0: when when you looked at the pages how small was the uh, the writing like were they were the were the words that the symbols no, very could, large? You,
1: I, I could I could I could I could make out that there were characters on the on the actual sheet that I held mm-hmm. um and I, I mean oh, I don't, you see the the plate itself for me wasn't that wasn't that big I mean people when they talk about the Book of Mormon they always they always they always think they always talk about this huge piece of metal and that just wasn't my experience i mean it wasn't small either but it wasn't huge and and, and, it, and it, the, the, the page was crammed i mean it wasn't there wasn't an empty space on the page um uh, so I, I all i knew is there were, there were there were characters on that page that i couldn't read mm-hmm.
2: um,
1: and i was very aware that i couldn't read them but i i I was I didn't take that much notice of them. I was taking more notice of the white guy standing in front of me, holding this in the first place, sure. asking me to turn a leaf of this thing over. And as as I was turning it, I was looking at him anyway, okay. up and down. And um, but it, as I say that the 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 plate or the leaf I pulled over wasn't really that thick. I mean, it, I suppose if I'd have, if I'd have rattled it, you know, messed about with it. Uh, it would have made a, a noise, a, 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 a rattling noise, maybe. Um, I think I read somewhere that uh, somebody, was it Emma Smith, said it was that were as maybe as thick as common tin. Um, I I would probably say that's probably not far off. what I was holding something that thick, uh, I mean certainly strong enough for me to take one hand and pull it over. But it wasn't like a sheet of really thick gold so and anyway um, i don't think they're gold. anyway i don't i don't think they are gold anyway but that, that's a different that's okay
0: different. so now there are people you know somebody who might be more naturalistic in their worldview, and they would say okay here you are you're 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 delving into the book of mormon you're reading it you have lack of sleep um you're you're just you're focused on it and Sometimes people, when they're like in these intense like moments that they sometimes might be uh, prone to having hallucinations, maybe okay. just tell me, was this a physical experience as real as being in the real world? Or was this like a visionary experience? No,
1: this, this was as real as I could uh, understand it to be. he certainly was there physically in the room um it wasn't it wasn't like um a a dream or uh, you know a closed dream or a vision in that sense no it was he was physically in the room Uh, i I tried to i tried to explain to people before just about it's very difficult for me to try and tell you the 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 brightness of the whole thing we had a we had some some people investigate the, the branch a while ago when we were talking about this and they asked me to relate the experience and they said well how bright was it and I was I still struggle to try and d- explain how bright it really was um, other than to say that it was it was unlike any brightness I've ever seen but it wasn't so piercing as I couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. Um and, and and the 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 personage, Moroni, um, uh, did emanate sort of a, um I suppose you could would call it a glow or a presence from off his personage. Um that got more intense the closer you got to him. But the whole room, the whole room was just bathed in this well, I can't really call it white either, because white's a terrible colour. Um it's not really colour, is it? But it's just it was just white. Just bright white. Um and that was that was the thing that really shocked me at first was the the magnitude of the brightness before I really comprehended the person in the brightness. So, um, but no, it wasn't a, it wasn't a hallucination. Okay, um, were you afraid? I, I, I never had a hallucination before or since. So.
0: Okay, so now when this ha- all happened, were you were you at first afraid or startled? What was your reaction?
1: I was I was more not afraid. No, I never felt afraid. Uh, it was more of a yeah just a taken aback sort of what what is going on no I never I've never felt afraid in the presence of a of a of, a, of a, an angelic messenger or being
2: ever
0: okay interesting never so you say now you 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 tell your father the story and your father right. is inclined to believe you and he says now we need to go speak with the bishop let's
1: right yeah take- I tell my dad yeah we 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 talk for a while and He's like, well, I know you're not inclined to, you know, make this kind of stuff up. We'll sleep on it. I'll think about it and I'll pray about it. And then we need to talk to the bishop, which is, you know, obviously the reaction you would probably expect from uh, a faithful LDS father, I would imagine. Um, and my dad was on the bishopric at the time, so probably more inclined to want to talk to the bishop about it. Um, and so it came to the, the point where I did do that Where well, I sat in front of Uh, and I won't name the person because I don't want to drag them into an already complicated situation. Um, But I spoke to my bishop and I received a reaction that I wasn't expecting to receive. Whether that was naive on my part, I don't know, but I think my dad was a little shocked by it as well. Um, I sat in the office and I relayed what happened to me as best as I could. And obviously, the longer it goes, you know, the more you have to rely on what you've written down. But um, I, I I, told him what I could remember, told him what I'd seen, who I'd seen, who I'd spoke to, that what they'd told me. And uh, I remember I remember it. It was, he sat, he had this big leather chair. He had this huge desk. And we were sat in these little green chairs popping opposite sides. He so was always,
2: like, down, you know.
1: And he, and he, and he, and he, he sort of, like, went, hmm just stared at me and that's quite intimidating for a 12 year old
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: he said "Mm, i don't think you should be telling anybody about this and i was like why well it could be problematic um do these things really happen anymore Mm. my dad jumped oh the profit season (laughs) um and then they got into another protracted discussion about who can see things and who can't see things and i'm just sat there i'm like what's going on you know Mm. and uh basically the upshot was don't say anything to anybody because i really don't believe it so you know be good behave because you're going to the temple next week whatever (laughs) uh you know um and that's how I left it. And um, the only people I really told were people who, uh, obviously, my immediate family. And uh, I told a few other people. Uh, I didn't go into too much detail with them, but I told them I'd seen something. And um, I kept it to myself, pretty much. I mean, it, uh, you, you just had a, you just had a, an authority figure in your life who exposed? Uh, supposed to be chosen by god apparently to represent this part of the lord's vineyard and he says to you i don't believe you keep your mouth shut so uh you tend to pretty much do that my dad my dad had an opposite view to that he said you know it's your experience you, you tell who you wish to tell and you'll get no you know no kickback from me uh just be careful and uh and i pressed him and he said i believe you and um uh, and uh my parents have never doubted anything. So, um, um, and
2: then, then, then,
1: then that was it. I went through the normal childhood stuff, you know. Went through the was youth program. Uh, yeah. Then I went on my mission. But before I went on my mission, when you're 18, you have to go. You have to be uh, set apart in the Melchizedek priesthood. So you have to be. Yeah. That has to be done at stake level, and. um, it just so happened that we had a, a state conference coming up when I was going to be called and set apart. And the, and the state president asked me to go and see him in his office with my dad and with the bishop. And uh, he said, you know, and they set me apart, did all that. And he said, uh, I'm going to give you some time on the, on the stand to be a bear testimony. He said, have you got any experiences you want to share? I was like, yeah, I've got one. <laughs> <laughs> the, me and my dad left the room. And the bishop stayed behind, so I don't know what happened in that conversation. But when I got up to the podium, I pulled the mic down, ready to start. I had a tap on my shoulder, and it was the state
2: president. He said, just keep it short and sweet. Just mm-hmm. keep it short and sweet. And um, I was like, all right. And then I just, I, and, I, and then I went into what I'd seen. And uh, yeah so you 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 actually went up there and told
0: told some of the story and what kind of response did you get
1: well obviously at the time you just get looks don't you when you come down from the podium to sit down with your parents you just get looks you know you know but but i was working at the the, the church distribution center at the time before i went on my mission doing some money and one of the guys who worked at the distribution was at that meeting and i went into work on the monday and, uh, you know, he, he called me over and was like, oh, hi, how are you doing? You know, did you enjoy the meeting? Yeah, yeah. yeah. To, that, that thing he said on Sunday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The experience you know, I, I wasn't impressed with that. I was like, what, what do you mean? So well, I don't think we should go into too much of those sorts of details in public gatherings and things. You'd be best off not saying anything about it ever again. I wasn't really impressed. And he's he's standing in my estimation fell straight through the floor for me. So I went on my mission when I was eighteen with um, um, not reservations but um, questions.
2: Hmm.
1: Why wasn't I allowed to share this thing? What 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 is so damaging about it? I mean, okay, a twelve-year-old sees an angel in a bedroom, and sees the gold plates. What's so damaging about that? I don't understand why people are so afraid of it. I still don't understand why people are so afraid of it. Um, and so out on my mission, you know, you go through experiences, don't you? And um, I didn't have a great mission anyway. I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't really enjoy the experience as much as I probably should have done. Um, and I came home early anyway. I only served eighteen months, and I came back for health reasons. Mm. Um, and uh, when I when I came back off my mission, I just just I just felt locked. Step into everyday LDS life, you know. Go back to church. Get involved. Uh, have whatever callings you're given. Um, and then you just fall. You just fall into a malaise of doing everything you normally do without really thinking about it. And that's that. That was really the place I was in, really. Uh, and I met Vicki at the distribution center. with my wife. And uh, uh, we, you know, I, I told her about my experience and she was on board with it you know she she was really accepting of it and uh got married in the temple we moved went to a new ward had callings elders quorum mission pro missionary youth i had callings in there. i served okay went through the temple a couple of times with vicky uh, we, that became more and more increasingly on the, uh, uh, uncomfortable, uh, and then, and then, um, when was it? October, October again. It's funny how those things happen. October 2005 was when I had my adult experience, which totally, which totally led me down the path I'm on now okay. and away from just uh, want to just a lot of stuff there a lot of stuff there to take yeah, me, the last, well,
0: well first of all where did you serve your mission
1: i set my mission in ireland
0: okay okay and it didn't go very like well that. did you did you talk to any of your missionary mates at all about your experience or did you just keep it to yourself
1: yeah 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 um not everybody i, I served with, but the ones i was comfortable with and had a good relationship with i mean i I had I had what probably most young men have on their missionary experience, you know, unless they're completely really bought into the system. Um, I, I had a good time, met a few nice people, uh, you know, learned to learn how to really look after myself on my own without my parents. You know, the, the things you do as an 18 year old. Um, and I won't say I didn't have um, uh, spiritual experiences on a mission because I did. Um, um, and I won't say that I I I I didn't meet people I liked because I did. I just didn't have what I considered to be a, a great time uh, okay. serving. It just certain things happened on my mission that I wasn't easy about. Hmm. Certain people said things that I was uneasy about, and we got into doctrinal conversations. As a nineteen year old, you know, you're knocking on twenty, aren't you? You know, you you like you get into arguments about silly little scriptural things that really don't mean anything. You know, where was the Hill Well, you know, where was it? Was it in South America, Central America, North America? Who cares? I mean I have my personal view now and I know now, but at the time it was a really big issue for me. And uh I had a lot of issues with the 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 the, the that the trajectory that the LDS church was going with regards to what I was reading in church history, this, the two for me on my mission even seemed to just part ways at the death of Joseph Smith. I couldn't, I, I couldn't marry the two things up again. And uh, I just brought all that, that that home with me and uh, ruminated on it, studied, really studied hard when I came back and prayed a heck of a lot. And, uh, led to that experience in October 2005. Okay.
0: Well I think this is good background and the reason you know I want wanted Matthew to get um, detailed here is because you know you you have you're making truth claims and you're and sure. you're, and you are making statements and I feel it's like important that you tell your story and then the audience can decide for themselves what they think. And this so this this encounter or whatever how one would categorize what happened in October of 2005, um, maybe. So you said earlier this was your second um, encounter, of your first time as an adult. So yeah. maybe talk talk to you about that.
2: Okay.
1: So um, since my 12, since I was 12, I'd had nothing, zero. Okay. Obviously, I had spiritual experiences, felt very close to God, very, very many times, but nothing of that magnitude. And we just, Vicky and I just moved into a new place and uh, uh, we had a, you know, I had my son. He was about one and a half, two maybe. And um, uh, just, just life going along. And I, I, I was constantly praying, there's, there's, got to be, there's got to be more to this than, than, than what I'm doing. What do you want from me? I, I remember the promise I was made when I was 12. And I always thought about that, probably subconsciously something would happen and i suppose my my because i was praying that night it happened and if i was to sum up the prayer from that that evening it was probably more of a what what is it i'm supposed to be doing because at the moment it just feels like i'm treading water you know i'm going to church i'm reading the scriptures i'm doing the stuff i'm supposed to be doing, but it just doesn't seem to be helping me um not not that i was um In the throes of leaving the LDS Church because I wasn't without that I was you know very very but I just felt like I was treading water running through treacle all the time nothing was happening and it was the same old stuff and I think the prayer that night was more like what what do you want from me because I can't
2: I can't go on like this anymore it's just ridiculous and uh, I prayed and then I went to bed and. Um i was
1: I was awoken from my sleep, and as I awoke from my sleep, I saw at the end of the bed um, an angel. and the first the first thing I did was I looked left to my my wife to see if she' had seen it at the same time as I had. She was gone, she was a, she was she was out and uh, and and this this angel was at the bottom of the bed and um didn't didn't scare me or worry me or anything like that and uh we exchanged a conversation but not by speaking (laughs) um we had a conversation and he told me who he was and why he was there and for me not to be afraid he was always saying to me don't be afraid and i wasn't afraid but it was nice and reassuring to hear him say don't be afraid And I had a conversation with the angel, who I know the name of, if you'd like to know. Please share. Yeah, Raphael, the angel, was at the bottom of the bed.
2: Okay. And um, we had a conversation. I was sat up in bed and told me why he was there.
1: And um, now is the time. This is what the Lord wanted. And soon there would come... um, a record of the former inhabitants of Brit- of Britain, which I'd never heard of before, and uh, told me to told me to prepare for that. But at the same time, doing that, he also told me to read some
2: uh, scriptures and uh, Oh, I'm really, I'm trying. I'm really
1: making. I'm really cutting a lot of corners here. But it, it was basically, um, do you have, do you have this, do you have this uh, scripture? And I said, I have the King James Bible. And I, I said, you should know what I have without asking me. And uh, he told me to go and look at. Um, uh, uh, Section in the Doctrine and Covenants which dealt about uh, the 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 dealt with the, the roles of the priesthood offices the elders the deacons the elders priests teachers and deacons to so read that fully and ask myself if I see any any inaccuracies with what's going on that I'm doing uh, I was told to read again which I'd already done anyway numerous times third Nephi all the way through uh, concentrate chiefly on uh, what the Lord says to the Nephites about other sheep he has which are not of that fold and then, then I was directed
2: to um, read the creation story in the Bible but not the Bible I had I was told not to read that one I was told to read from and
1: I was told to read from the inspired Joseph Smith translation of the Bible hmm. And I'd never, I didn't have one. I wouldn't even have known where to get hold of one. I wasn't even aware that they printed them, probably. Anyway, I took all this information, went away, uh, uh, told my wife what had happened, uh, read the scriptures, and then over the over the course of um, events, I had other other visitations from Raphael, Michy, which he would talk me through scripture, ask questions about what I'd learned, what I hadn't learned. Uh, and there's a big period of time. So it's like October 2005, right through to July 2006. So it's, I mean, it's a fairly big period of time. And we're just talking about scriptures. We're talking about things that aren't in the scriptures. We're referencing these, referencing material that I've never heard of before. Well, let me, um, let me just,
0: um, you know, what I find interesting is that it's, it's, it's the angel Raphael. Now Raphael yeah. is in Enoch
2: mm-hmm. and it's
0: in the Apocryphal Tobit or Deuterocanonical, because that's in the Catholic Bible. Um, how familiar were you with Raphael before you had this visitation from him? The
1: only reference I had to an angel called Raphael was in uh, the Doctrine and Covenants, Okay. Mm-hmm. where he's mentioned once. Joseph Smith mentions uh, it once in like a off-the-cuff comment. And that that was it, really. And, um, you know, it's not something I've ruminated on or thought about Mm -hmm. some other angel. I mean, Joseph Smith saw so much stuff. It was... The the thing I want people to understand is, look, you know, I'm really, really blunt here. I don't really care whether you believe me or not. That's not my job. I just tell my story. I talk to people, I teach them what we know, I show them what we know. And if you wanna believe that, then brilliant. If you don't, and you think that it's a complete fraud, then fair play to you, carry on, do whatever you're doing. Um, whenever I retell re- these, um, these stories to people, um, I'm not doing it to, to, to try and prove anything that is true. I'm just here to tell you what happened to me. You make up your own mind. Now, on these videos, you're getting a very, very simplified version of what happens, because otherwise we'd be here till 12 tonight. You know, so you're getting a very, 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 very condensed version of the story. Well, OK, so
0: you're so this goes through July into July of 2006. You're having these conversations with Raphael. This and they're is, all
1: documented. They're all documented in our document and Covenants, So OK, yeah.
0: And, so, and that's your own every, version every of the
1: Every conversation in there, yeah.
0: Okay, and and that's your own version of the Doctrine and the Covenants that you have, and and is. is that available as a PDF to people if they wanted to check it out?
1: It can be, yes.
2: Okay. Yeah, I tend,
1: yeah, um, yeah, we tend not to give out the Doctrine and Covenants um, to non-members because oh, okay. the stuff, the stuff in the Doctrine and Covenants about members that they might not want other people to know or sure. read, or so when they've joined the the the, the, the restored branch and we're comfortable, in they. But no, I've, I, have, I personally, if, if someone wants a PDF, I, I would ask them a series of questions if they want it, but okay, it's there, it's not a secret, it exists. Okay, very
0: good. So let's, I guess, because, you know, obviously this is, we're getting into the details here, which is fine, and I, I'm enjoying this conversation immensely. I guess you're you're getting this preparatory, and it's also some of this stuff is in the doctrines and covenants. Um, yeah. This all leads up to something that happens later in that year, maybe talk about that.
1: Okay. So, um, July, I'm just looking at the dates to the left, just in case anybody says on the video, always oh, looking, to, he's looking to his left. So he's, he's looking at the, uh, the creative centers of his brain. Now I'm looking to the left because my laptop's here <laughs> um, on my laptop. Um, cause I've got a series of dates, uh, on the 12th of July, 2006, I had an opportunity, um, to, um,
2: to see joseph smith to see jesus christ and to see uh the prophet jaronek
1: whilst having the experience i wasn't aware of who he was but i am now um so that's when um i was uh, set apart if you like uh, uh i had a blessing from joseph to tell me that um you know uh, was okay you know um and that's when i saw joseph smith and jesus christ and uh, and the prophet Jaranek.
2: Jaranek, oh. that's a that's an interesting
0: name it's not familiar to most people nope. and you didn't know at the time who he was um i guess this kind of just leads up to maybe you getting some knowledge or receiving some records about the right. The civilization. Right,
1: so, yeah. So so after the after the July twelfth uh, re- um, experience revelation, however you want to call it, um, on the sixteenth of August in two thousand and six, um, I had a dream. This is a dream now, not a vision. Uh, and uh, in that dream, um, I saw Stonehenge. And above Stonehenge, I saw uh, an angel floating above the stones. And the angel kept calling out, come, come, come to this place. It's important you come to this place. Uh, you need to come here. You need to come here. And um, I woke up the next morning and said, oh, I've had this really weird dream about going to Stonehenge. I think it's really important that we get down there. Um, my dad's like, oh, it's a heck of a long way to drive. Are you sure? I'm like, well, yeah, I reckon we should get down there pretty sharpish. Like, it's really important we're down there. And um <clears throat> thought about it <laughs> a couple of days then on the 19th of august my dad well, i said you know we've got to go we've, we, this is ridiculous i've had a dream again we've got to go down there um and so my dad myself and a friend of mine um uh, was involved in the early the early work um, went down to stonehenge and we didn't have a clue why we were going down to stonehenge other than you had this dream and you're being called to Stonehenge, so we 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 get to Wiltshire, which is a long way from where I'm living at the time, <coughs> and um, we get to Stonehenge and uh, we pay to go through as you do, and um, we get to where the stones are. And my dad says, I think we should pray about this before we go around because you know we drove a long way and we want something to be told to us if we're here. Uh, so my dad leads us in a prayer and then we just walk off and we go we go round the stones And as we get about halfway round the stones i have an experience where i see um uh the same person roughly who i'd seen in uh the july experience in heaven um which was jaron and he was he was he was looking out over the the valley of stonehenge and um it was it was like an open vision and i saw him walking and he had a box in his hands and he walked past me into the temple i had that experience and i and then when i came out of that experience i i I went back to my dad and my friends and they get they they said you've just had an experience haven't you and i went yeah it was really strange yeah that's really weird because when you had when you walked away and you stood at the tape all the birds on the stones just flew off And when he'd finished, they all came back and um, they were amazed and uh, we talked about it all the way home. And then getting to the real stuff
2: on the 23rd of September, which was a Saturday, uh,
1: the records come, the plates and that's when it all just goes from you know experiences to this is well this is real this is this is wow well, yeah okay so
0: amazing. you so you receive physical plates on yep. september twenty
1: third two thousand six uh
0: yes okay um how did you get them
1: well um <clears throat> I didn't receive them my father did okay I was i would, We were at their house, my wife and I and my son, and we just we I think we'd stayed late for a meal or something, and my wife said I I don't want to travel back, let's just stay in the spare room or something. Okay, I'll and
2: um, I like to sleep in on a Saturday, so she was up early with Levi, and
1: and I was in bed and I heard I heard a I heard a a noise a ruckus downstairs and then all of a sudden, matt matthew matthew you've got to you've got to come down you've got to come down i was like what's going on and uh my dad was calling matthew you've got to come down get, you know get up so i i get up get dressed go down the stairs and as i'm walking down the stairs i see my dad my dad's holding a, a box a small wooden box
2: and i was like what's that he goes Vicky, Vicky found it. I was like, oh, okay. And Vicky goes, yeah, it was so weird. I went to open the front door, but as I opened the front door, I knew something was there. And um, and then my dad saw what was there and he was like, oh, I'll
1: take care of this, I'll take care of this. And apparently, because I wasn't there, he said he saw a person walking away from the house, who looked back at him as he had as he picked up the box off the st- off the off the doorstep, and um, he picked it up, bought it in the house, and that's when they started calling me. And I came downstairs, and my mum said, "I think you better go into the dining room and see what this is about." So. Uh, he and I went into the dining room and we started we had a discussion about what we should do should we open this thing uh Matt what's going on I was like I don't know and he told me what happened and I was like okay well I think we should pray first before we open this thing because we don't know what's in it we don't know what's you know all I know is that we were told we would have some records and now it looks like they're here so we need to pray about this first and we prayed and And I proceeded to open the box and examine what was in it. And that's when we found the uh, the two sets of of records in the box with uh, what I call the uh, the the translators or interpreters. Uh, and then.
2: After we examine them, we put everything back in the
0: box. Okay, well, let me stop you there because this is we're talking about physicality and items. So you said, we had talked earlier how you said you had one that was, I think you said 10 plates and another that was 24 plates. Mm -hmm. Both were made slightly different alloys, as I recall, different metals. Um, Talk about those, but I also want you to describe to me these interpreters. What did they look like and how did they feel and what were they made out of?
1: so um the box is very small okay? okay don't imagine this big huge wooden but it was a very small box like like crudely. the size of a shoe
0: box or what
1: yeah maybe it's a little bit smaller okay but it was very crudely made uh, you, you could tell it was old and had seen a bit of uh wear and tear um but that didn't really interest me as much as what was in the box um anyway the box is open there there was On on top of the box, there was a small uh, package, uh, a leather package, small leather package, say about yay big, okay? So I take that off, put it on the table. Under that, there is another uh, package, which ends up being the 24 plates, okay? So take that out of the box, put that on the side. And underneath the 24 plates were another set of plates but there was only 10 of them and they were instead of being uh, uh what you call them? instead of instead of being that shape they were that shape
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and so i took those out of the box and let me examine them and so the, the 24 plates were uh like a, a brass plate um And they were very thin, very, very, very uh, flexible. If you shook them, they'd make a metallic sound. Not that I did that very often, but made a metallic sound. There was uh, inscriptions on them all over the page. Turn it, inscriptions on that. And the same was for 24, just just full of inscriptions. And then the the set of templates was different. Um, And it was in different writing as well. Um, The writing style was bigger. Bolder, uh, and it was just different, and that those 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 were like um, like a copper color, copper. Cool, that makes sense. So it was like a brass and a copper color, um, and you could smell uh, on those, especially the the smell of that copper smell smell. Um, and then I examined those, and I knew they were totally totally different, uh, just by looking at the characters on the plates. Um, and then once I'd done that, <clears throat> uh, my dad said to me, well, we're going to open a smaller package. And I, I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. Just let me get my head around this first. So we, on, we unpacked the, 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 the little leather pouch ooh, package. And they were the interpreters. Now, have you ever seen the best way to describe them are, um, what can I use as an example? Uh, have you ever seen the the movie the name of the rose a
2: long time ago yeah
1: Mm yeah yeah with the glasses that had this like pointed uh they were round Mm -hmm. huge round things and they're not like glasses i wear glasses or nothing like that and they they were just these two big round uh lenses okay and they were joined together with like an arch Okay, like a really, really, really ancient pair of spectacles if you like. It,
0: it's interesting because if have you read the uh, Lost 116 Pages book by Don Bradley?
1: I have now, yeah.
0: Have you seen what he describes as the interpreters? Is it similar to what you looked at? Um,
1: yeah, I suppose.
2: Okay.
1: Um, in essence, yeah. I mean, um, uh, the only thing that was really that, that really stuck out to me about them was that one lens was blue and the other lens was red. Um, which was a bit odd because I'd never seen that and I'd never seen I'd never seen uh, I keep saying glasses, but they're not really. I'd never seen anything like that big before. Mm-hmm. When I when I put them on, they were I mean they probably covered probably that much of my face. And uh they didn't have any uh arms mm-hmm. or anything, and that would be my we had to figure for an ingenious way of keeping them on while we were working, but uh, that's beside the point so there was those that was it and then on the outside of the 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 lens around the around the uh, the frame if you like were uh inscriptions hmm. um and that's what was in the box two sets of plates and a set of uh interpreters
2: okay so you did you
0: take any photographs did you or did you um maybe maybe uh artistic artistic renderings of these uh items anything like
1: that I've, i've been asked about photographs before and i've always said no i i've not taken photographs of these things i've i i was astute enough to know that they were special and I was astute enough to know that there was a reason they'd come to me and nobody else or at least to the people i knew and nobody else um and so i didn't just like i didn't whip my phone out and take a picture of an angel i mean i've been asked that before why don't you take a picture of the angel Well, because you just don't do that do you oh, hang on a second i'm just gonna get my phone and take a picture i mean it's just not a conversation you have is it um and, and they, uh, there were other things, there were other things going through my mind and everybody else's mind, other than, and this is going back to say 2006. Um, uh, so it wasn't like you know we had iPhones. Let's whip an iPhone out and say oh, I've got a great iPhone. But I, I just, it just did never occur to me ever to go, hang on a second, we've got to get a Polaroid of this. Just so I am out. It's never occurred, that never occurred to me as being a really important thing to do um i've had people draw <coughs> pictures of 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 uh what they've seen uh, just for for their own um you know records and stuff um but i don't know ne- i never felt it necessary to take a picture um i just didn't think it was something i should be doing with these things Uh, pictures and photos and stuff like that i mean i was very careful about who i showed them to let alone taking pictures and stuff especially not putting them on the internet um
0: so i'm just curious because obviously you say there's multiple witnesses how many people looked at them maybe uh, touched them how many would you say with these are witnesses to these
1: okay so there's my father
2: uh friend uh, my mom uh, did he, did he look at them? so I'll probably say about four five people max so there's enough people there for it not just to
1: be a, a a me experience my dad looked at them, my mom looked at them my friend looked at them held them um, um, you know, moved the plates felt the uh felt the, the the inscription on the plates uh held the held the interpreters tried the interpreters some, some sometimes successfully other time unsuccessfully um so yeah i would about five five people maybe tops that saw it
0: okay so now do you have so um, before we get into the content and well, i mean this this would ultimately I, i'm guessing would become the book of jeronek do you have a witness statement like the three and the eight witnesses at the in, in in your edition
1: well there's my statement my father's statement and my friend's statement and my mom's statement so, so you have
0: four different separate statements
2: uh-huh.
1: okay okay very good having they've like, seen them and then you know this is what they think they are
0: okay like okay so okay this is I mean, you know, uh, of course, I'm just very interested in hearing your story. This is fascinating to me. And of course, you know, it's I guess the thing I want to emphasize is that to you, there's a there's a tangibility. This is real physical plates. Um, I I, I am curious, who do you do you know who was the individual that dropped the plates off
1: at the house? We do now. We do now. Who who was it? Uh, It was. Uh. Crikey, this is going to get complicated unless you know the story. This was Rayanek, the son of Jaranek. Okay. So at the very end of the book of Jaronek, uh, Jaranek says something about his son uh, taking a few people into the, the, the country's north. Uh, uh, I've got some maps I'll show you in a minute. Yeah. Uh, into the into the country's north to escape the destruction of the people. Now, we know that Rayanek is still alive that he has never tasted death okay. a bit like i suppose uh, one of the three nephites mm-hmm. or uh, if you believe john revelator maybe mm-hmm. um so he's still alive and he was the one that brought his father's record to our house
0: okay now uh we're an hour into this and we just are getting started with the scripture and i think what i'd like to do is for us to I want you to briefly describe the translation process, how long it took, and then let's start talking about the book.
2: Okay,
1: so let me just double check all these dates. Um, Okay, so we started translating on the 1st of October 2006, and we finished on the 10th of December 2006, so it took about 10 Sundays, because we only translated on a Sunday.
0: Oh, really? Uh Uh-huh. Was that because, was there a spiritual reason for that?
1: Uh, yes. Um, I, before, before we started work on any, anything, we, we all took turns praying about it individually, and then we prayed together, the, the three, but then we prayed together as a family about it, and then uh, other people who were involved who weren't family. We all prayed about it together. And um, we hadn't organized, we'd, we'd all left the LDS church by this point, okay okay so we'd all left the lds church we weren't tied to the lds church in any way shape or form at this point and we hadn't we we hadn't organized ourselves into a, a, an organization or anything of that kind and um questions started to be asked by by my dad and other people look you know we've got these plates um uh, uh what are we going to do about you know uh sacrament and stuff? how's it so we we prayed about <clears throat> when we should translate, and we were told definitely translate on Sunday after you've partaken of the sacrament. And we went back and said, Well, we don't partake of the sacrament because we're not organized as a as a as an organization. So we don't, none of that's in place. So um on the behest of my father, not mine, I went back to the Lord and said, Is it is this if we formed an organization? Is this something you would be comfortable with us doing? Is this something you would allow us to do and you would be okay with us doing? And uh, I got a reply that um, it, it would it would be okay for us to organize ourselves into some kind of church, but it had to be we had to do certain things uh, before we could you know organize ourselves. so <clears throat> The the, the the translation really fitted into us having our very first uh, branch meetings. and then we'd have our branch meetings, finish Sunday school, have say about twenty minutes break, and then go into translating after Sunday or after Sunday school. And then we probably spend about um, I want to say about an hour, hour and a half uh, translating material but during that translation process things would happen that would that would that would cause you to stop so it wouldn't be a continue a, a continual one hour translation process for example um my that the person involved with us at the time who will rename, remain nameless because for various reasons but um he was involved he he had experiences where he saw his mother and he wanted to talk about that and my father saw his father and we saw Joseph Smith and there was there was these comings and goings in the room while we were translating and um and then of course the translation process itself which I'll, I'll get to now um uh, we'd, I'd have the the I'll take the 24 plates which are the main which is the main book of Jeremy so I'd have the I have the plate in front of me or the book in front of me if you like and I would wear uh, where the interpreters or the translators and
2: um, from um, from right to left, uh, I would see
1: above or below the character uh, either a word or a sentence. And then if a word or a, sen- a sentence wasn't appropriate, I would be shown a scene to explain the scene rather than to read the scene. Um, so either a word or a sentence, or I would actually see and explain to them what I'm seeing. And then I would write that down.
0: Okay. So this is a partially a literal translation where you're translating words, but it seems to be, it's also a visionary in that you are yes. dis- so you're, you're, you're encountering and engaging these plates yep. and it's almost as if, as you're reading it, the story comes alive and then right. you're describing right. that to them. Sure.
1: Because, 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 um, there maybe wouldn't be a direct English translation of the word or the sentence that would fully convey the meaning of what he was trying to say. So the best way to do that was for them to show me. Um, and then I would say, this is what I'm seeing. This is who's speaking, blah, blah, blah. And then write that down. Uh, but the majority of the time it was taken directly from the plates. I mean, that, that visionary experience only happened at, uh, you know, with each plate, probably maybe two or three times, uh, but the rest was actually, you know, from off the 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 plate I was working with or the page I was
2: working with. Um, so the twenty-four. They,
1: they, 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 my, my my dad and my friend would sit either side, and they would just write what I said huh. or what I explained.
0: So. Um, and so they were handwriting it. They weren't typing it like on a computer or anything. They, you you no, felt that it had to be written down.
1: Yeah, well, it was just the easiest thing for us to do. Um, okay. You know, pads of paper. Um, you don't have to worry about your battery going out or anything. So it's just, just write, just write. Use your hands, just write. Don't okay. worry about full stops or paragraphs. Just, just write.
0: And did you, did you Absolutely. record them? Did you do audio recordings of these as well?
1: Um, when we initially did it, no, we didn't. My dad suggested we do that uh, on a later project okay. that we worked on, but not, not for the book of Jaronic. No, we, we, we pretty much kept it pretty basic, um, and which was basically two people writing down what I said. Uh, and then sometimes sometimes uh, they would say to me, well, uh, can we look? Hmm. And I'd be like, yeah, sure, if you really want to. And I would put the interpreters on. And, and sometimes they would see something and they would say what they're seeing and then it would disappear or uh, sometimes they would just wouldn't be able to do it. Um, uh, so it was a very uh, hit and miss for those, those two. But for me, it wasn't a hit and miss thing. It was, it was, it was, it was pretty, I mean, I don't want to sound like, like arrogant or anything, but it was a pretty simple process. There was nothing complicated about it.
0: So, okay, so the 24 plates are the Book of Jeronech. And what about the 10 plates? What are those?
1: Okay, at the back of the Book of at uh, the very end of uh, the actual book itself, there is what's known as, and I'm looking at it now, the records of the religious practices of the followers of God. And on those 10 plates were uh, the basic workings of their general theology. So um, uh, you, we, learned from, we learned from that prayers they would, they would say and why they would say them, how they would conduct a marriage service, uh, how they would conduct a, a, a sacramental service, a baptism service, the, the things they would say and do. Uh, so everything to do with their basic theology, if you were, if you hadn't read the book of Jaronic, you could read the, the template theology and you could pretty much pick up what they were doing.
0: Okay. So this is kind of how Moroni at the end of the book of Mormon kind of describes like how to do like a church. and yeah. how it's a book. Okay. Similar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's just, you, you, uh, you, you, you wanted to show some
1: slides. I think,
0: why don't you just kind of give us a, an outline of the story of the book of Jaronic. Okay.
1: Okay, well, I'm going to try and show you some slides. Sure. So just
0: just bear with me here. You're no problem. Uh, I'll, I'll... And Matthew, are you are you open for coming back for a second uh, interview? I am. Yeah. Okay, because I, I I have a feeling we've gotten so deeply involved in this whole thing, it might be worth you coming on because I think we're, we're going to talk about your scriptures, and then I think what we like to do is talk about. Um, okay, well, screen sharing is going on. Okay.
1: okay.
2: Okay,
1: right, so tell so, the story. Okay, so the story of the Book of Jaranek starts here at the bottom with uh, the plains of Shinar at the, the Tower of Babel okay. and the confounding of the languages. Um, and just being really, really brief um, the people of Aranek are, are, are allowed to keep their, their original language, so they don't have their language changed at the Tower. They are aware of uh, the Jaredites at the same time and what happens after the destruction of the tower of babel is they move northward um they skirt the eastern part of turkey they go across the ural mountains into i suppose what you would call uh, the Caucasus region of russia today Um, they stop um, near the the volga river and at the volga river they split off into two separate people groups. So, uh, at the Volga River, Aranek dies and gives the leadership of his people to his son Sharanek. However, his eldest son Lionek believes that he should have had the birthright. So there's some falling out. He ta- Lionek takes his people further eastwards into. Uh, what would be today Kazakhstan area. Sharonek takes his people westward through uh, uh, the Ukraine, um, um, parts of Northern Hungary, uh, basically across into Western Europe until they reach uh, Karnak in Brittany, in France. And at that point, they're commanded to build some ships, which they do, and they sail off into the Bay of Biscay, not quite hitting the Atlantic Ocean, uh, and then they are turned around by the hand of the Lord, and they make landfall in in England. So, let me stop that share.
2: Yeah.
1: Let me let me share with you another
2: map that I have
0: that will give just, people an just so idea. I know, how many people were on those boats?
1: Oh, hundreds. Okay. Okay. So let me just. Okay. So this is a this is a map of the UK, and uh, at the very bottom of that map uh, is where they made landfall. Um, and they walked. They went up onto the land. It says, and they they came to basically what is today known as the Stonehenge landscape. And um they built a city erected a temple which we believe stonehenge is a remnant of and um they stayed there for a very very long time in that southern area of the country to the to the west around that area wiltshire around that area and then um then there's there's, there's a migration northwards by uh three brothers who go looking for a a set of people who the lord has told them of exists so they go north to where i live at the moment in derbyshire and they find uh, another set of people another group of people and they become basically friends and they become one people and that's when the the land extends and basically that the book of jaronet takes place upon the whole of the british isles so it takes place in in very far north in scotland and uh, takes place in the very, very far south, which would be like Wiltshire, where the Stonehenge is, and as far east as um, Norwich, um, less so Wales. Um, but that gives you a rough idea, and obviously if you know the Book of Jaronic, there's, there's places up on here like the Port of Nishan, the Battle of Hodia, um, where important things took place on there. So, it just gives you a rough idea of, of the, 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 the geography of what I'm talking about. Okay, so
0: roughly, just give me some dates here. When did they make landfall, roughly?
1: Okay, so I've been asked this before. Um, let, me just, let me just stop this. because There we go. Uh, I've been asked that before. And what I've always said to people is I'm not sure about the exact dates because they measured time differently to us. Like, for example, I know they had a, a 14-month year which we don't. Um, And the only thing I do know is that the timeline of uh, the book of Jared runs pretty parallel to the timeline of the Jaredites.
0: Okay. So that puts us, okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, And I always say give or take 50 years at the end because, you know, it wasn't exactly the same it's roughly the same parallel Mm -hmm. um so you know we're talking we're talking thousands of years ago aren't we so um the majority of the story takes place in the british Isles. however
0: okay so you had said that they their language language was not confounded so is that to say that the jaredites and them both spoke the adamic tongue yes okay yeah okay this is interesting i
1: mean yeah, I mean, I don't know where. I mean, I would imagine that over time those those languages did 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 you know shift apart. Uh, mm-hmm. But yes, originally they all spoke Adamic. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. And so uh, obviously in within the context of your scriptures and beliefs, mm-hmm. um, the Tower of Babel was a literal event. I'm assuming Noah's flood and all that happened worldwide flood.
1: Yeah, we would we would subscribe to a pretty literal literal view of the scriptures, flood, so creation, Tower so Babel that comes.
0: You would also say that you you would consider yourself like a young earth creationist um yeah okay yeah yeah
1: okay. yeah i mean yeah i mean it's it, it, it's um it's one of those issues that i don't really have an issue with i mean i i believe in creation i don't i i'm not an i'm not a, i'm not a, an evolutionist by any stretch of the imagination um and i don't understand i don't understand why there is such a big controversy over the issue. Look, you know, you either believe in God and the creation, or you don't. If you don't believe in God and the creation, you've got to believe something. So science gives you an answer. It gives you an out, doesn't it? It gives you an opportunity. If you don't want to push, push the envelope to say, well, I believe in evolution. without don't really know what you're talking about. The science of evolution is very complicated. It's not, it's not all what it seems. Um, and there are inconsistencies with evolution, just as there are inconsistencies with, cre- with the creation story. There isn't one. There isn't one uh, of those issues that doesn't have complications. And the reason it has complications is because over time people inflect what they want to inflect on those theories. There's no. We read the Bible and we read the creation story, and it is different in the inspired version of the Bible. Granted, um, but that's that. That's somebody's interpretation of an event. So. They're going to put on those events their own twists and spins and interpretations, but that doesn't stop me believing that God created the planet, the Earth, the stars, or me. Okay. And uh, I don't understand why you would it, just because you walk away from the LDS Church, why well, you suddenly have to jump into a, an evolutionist theory of your view, view of the world.
0: Okay. Well, I'm. i the story is very fascinating. I mean. It's a, it's a lot for me to digest here because I'm hearing a lot of this for the first time. I'm, I'm enjoying this and it's, and it's so fascinating. I almost feel like maybe we've reached that point where we could do a shoot a part two and, okay. and, and, and actually tell the story of Jeronek, but then also talk about the other scriptures that you've uh, encountered. Um, I really feel like this, I don't want to rush through this. I feel that- right.
1: I'm, I'm happy to do that. That's, that's fine by me.
0: So then what I'd like to do is so we're going to talk about your on our next episode we're going to talk about your scriptures I want you to tell the story, and then um, I'm going to have questions about your church, um, and maybe your doctrines your practices, so I think what we'll do folks is we're going to have Matthew come on back onto the program. Um, let me uh just get out of the here, get
1: in the gallery. Sorry, I uh, a lot of your time.
0: Yeah, this is really good. You know, and I'm really glad because you know I feel like it's important to document these stories. And then my audience, you know, from a that you know I have a, a lot of Christians that watch my program who are interested in just doing research and studying the restoration. And you are a manifestation of the restoration. Um, and so it's it, your story needs to be told. And uh, and I just want to, uh, first of all, just thank you, Matthew, so much for coming on my program today.
1: You're welcome.
0: And no uh, do, you, do you have any final words you'd like to share with my audience? <laughs> um,
1: probably, no, I don't think so. Okay. Um, maybe after part two, I might.
0: Okay, that's great. Yeah, because you had mentioned you wanted to talk about things you had not talked about before. I want to give you an open uh, forum so we can have these conversations. Maybe we'll have you on for two more, segments. I don't know. but We'll see where this goes, thank folks. You. This channel is an adventure, and I'm on this journey of exploration, and I'm, in, I'm so glad that my audience is able to participate on this journey with me. Uh, I hear so much f- positive feedback from so many people for what I'm doing, and I want to thank all of you. I just want to remind everybody to like and subscribe and don't forget to hit the notification button to be informed when the new episode comes out. Also, we are on all the major platforms, Apple, Spotify, and Google. Uh, Anthony's in the process of getting it updated and hopefully we'll get everything up and running soon. Um, also, those of you who want to support the channel on Patreon, uh, and I also want to thank those of you who are donating to the channel. Thank you so much for your, uh, your patronage. It is greatly appreciated and it helps uh, us upgrade equipment and also uh, finance uh, Uh, travel expenses as well. So thank you so much. I just want to remind people to have yourself a great day
2: and uh, God bless. And thanks again, Matthew, for coming on.